Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. We're returning to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, for those of you who are around during the fall, we had begun what we knew was going to be several months of working our way through a particular section of Jesus' teaching recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, where Matthew seems to assemble many of the things that Jesus taught into a longer discourse. And, and it's really a manifesto of the kingdom of heaven. And, and, I would, and we're returning to, to that now in January. And, and I wondered if, if anybody has ever been to an orchestra concert where, you know, before the concert actually begins, something happens, right? What happens? Yeah, somebody comes out and tunes. And if it's a symphonic orchestra, you hear the oboe first, right? The oboe will will play a concert A. Uh, it happens that at the Crown Point High School Orchestra, Elizabeth has a solo at every concert because she's the oboe, and they're the ones to, she's the one that they tune to. And and you have to be right on at that point when you're tuning up. And then. Um, the principal violinist will come out, first chair, concert master, uh, they're called, whether it's a he or a she, and they'll come, and everybody then will, like, play the same note and work on tuning up together. And the, it's kind of interesting that the first part of the performance, you have all of these great musicians all acting like beginners. Right? Do you notice that? And the very best musicians are not afraid to do the basics. I'm not among their number, by the way. Um, but the cello, this is a cello. The cello is like notoriously difficult to keep in tune. Um, especially in temperature changes, humidity changes. And so in a lot of concert settings, the cello can be tuned up in the rehearsal room. Then you come out on stage, it's a large hall, usually a different temperature, and it's all out of tune, even more if it's been in the back of the minivan on the way here. Because if you play cello, you can't have a small car, at least not if you're going to put anybody in the back seat of it at the same time. And and so it's not a surprise that my cello has gone significantly out of tune. I say significantly, but really I'm able to tune it up using just these these little fine tuners down on the bottom because I've been careful to keep it pretty much in tune by, you know, every day or so before playing, tune it up every time before playing. That one's good. These still need a little work. And and you can fuss a bit with your tuning. You could actually fuss for quite a while with your tuning because if you tune long enough, it'll go out of tune again. Yep. And, but there's a point to the tuning, and the point of the tuning is to be able to play the notes that you're supposed to play. Because if the instrument's out of tune, then even if you're trying to do all the right things, it ends up coming out at least a little bit off. Does that make sense? And what I'm talking about is our need to tune up our lives so that, so they're in tune. And in the orchestra, they tune to, an oboe player or a violin player, 
Uh, and Elizabeth, do you normally have your tuner plugged in for that note? Or yeah, you're not wigging it, right? Um, she's got a tuner that's plugged in. It's clipped to her stand. And when she plays the tuning note, she's watching to make sure that the notes that everyone else is tuning to is lined up with an actual concert A, 440 hertz. And the, the thing about the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is showing us how to get tuned up to the key that heaven's playing in. We've got to realize heaven is playing in different tune, different key than our culture does. And if we're just, you can do a tune up just to anybody else who's around you. A lot of times that's what our lives are doing. We're looking at the car that our neighbor drives. We're, we're checking out what other people are wearing. We're looking at how, how our brother and his family are doing and whether their kids seem to compare with our kids and how they do, how they're doing versus ours. But Jesus calls us to get in tune with heaven. Part of what the Sermon on the Mount does for us is it's playing the notes to bring us in tune. And as we come to the words that Jesus has to say, it pulls us out of just tuning into our culture and enables us to tune in to heaven. And this month in January, our, our focus in the Sermon on the Mount will be coming from Matthew chapter 6. And our emphasis is on seeking God. And it's called number one because week by week, we're going to be digging into, okay, how do we seek God? How do we get in tune with the Lord? How does Jesus do it? What are the examples that we get from him for how we do this? And at the very last week of this month, from the 27th of January up until February 1st, which is a Friday night, uh, we'll have a special week of focus as a church in prayer and in fasting together. If you've been part of Mercy Hill for at least 12 months, you may remember that that's a kind of consistent rhythm for us. So at the end of the month, there'll be an opportunity where we'll be coming together in different homes each different night of the week to be able to seek the Lord together in a focused way in prayer and fasting. But we're going to drink of what Jesus has to say and let him tune our lives uh, back to his notes here even beginning this morning. And I've got some helpers here as we're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. It's a bit of a mouthful, so I'm bringing in reinforcements. If we could have this microphone. Thanks, Todd. So Brian and Tammy and Joy and Anissa, could you guys come up and help? Did you, like, sit together strategically uh, for this moment? This will be great. All right. So we're we're basically going to be reading right now Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 18, except that I'm going to be like, particularly for Anissa, I'm going to interrupt her, uh, and she's used to that for me, and then the others will get there, be able to run their way through. Go ahead. Matthew 6, 1, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay, pause. Just let that sink in there for a moment, okay? This verse actually serves as a summary statement by Jesus for what he's going to tell us in the next 17 verses. And and so what's he have to say here about who our audience is supposed to be? Because he says, first of all, don't be doing it for an audience of other people, right? Hello? Yes? Yes? And so if not that, then for whom? For God himself. Making sense? We on the same page? Right? He's saying, don't live to be seen by other people. Live to be seen by heaven. Are we together? 
All right, because he's going to now start breaking it down into several specifics. Back to you, Vanessa. Okay, verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. I only interrupt you when you're not expecting it. <laughs> okay. But when you give to the needy, do not let your hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Aha. Uh-huh. So you see the dynamic that Jesus is setting up here, right? I'm going to interrupt at this point so you can see because it's going to be a pattern. He's going to keep telling us this kind of thing. And his bottom line is God himself is the goal He's not the means that we use to get recognition from other people. Hello? Right? Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with the kind of spiritual vanity that uses God's stuff to impress other people. Right? He said, he's saying, live as with God as your primary audience in the middle of a culture that is obsessed with what other people think of us. Alrighty. Joy, go ahead. Uh, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing on the street corners to be seen by men. I'll tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. And But when you pray, go in, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thank you. Thank you guys for for your help with reading all of that. So there's a lot there in those verses, but here's what I'm hoping will stand out to you is that there's certain things Jesus repeats There's certain things that come through. He's giving three categories, three examples. When you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast. And in each case, he's got the same pattern. And he says, okay, when you give to the needy, don't be like who? Okay, what's a hypocrite? Sorry, loudly, please. Yeah, somebody who's claiming to be one thing and actually live in something different on the other side. They're, they're a play actor. It's the Greek actor who would wear a mask to play a part. And so don't be like, okay, what about when you pray? What's Jesus say? When you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites. What about fasting? Don't be like the hypocrites. What's fasting? Ah, refraining. Greg says when you refrain from eating. That's the specific practice that Jesus is talking about. Uh, it's not when you run really quick. It's when you choose not to eat. And, and fasting as a spiritual discipline is emblematic of denying ourselves to increase our appetite for God. And so just each of these three categories, they're examples of what Jesus said in first one. He said, be careful not to do your, what did he call it? Acts of righteousness. And so he lists three different categories of ways that people do God stuff. Spirit, things that seem spiritual that are supposed to be oriented towards God. But he says there's a whole lot of category of people, in this case, Jewish religious leaders that he's specifically talking about, who use those things that are supposed to be directed towards God actually to try to impress other people. And so in each case... He has something to say about that group and their reward, right? He says, when you give the needy, don't be like the hypocrites. And they have, they've already received all the reward they're going to get. And if you pray like they do, well, you know what? They've already received all of their reward as well. They pray on street corners to be heard by other people. Well, good for them. Other people have heard them. God's not listening. They've already got their reward. That's what Jesus is saying, right? And then third category, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. They've already got their reward and all of it that they're going to get. Making sense? Right? In each case. And so what does Jesus say about giving to the needy? He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Do your giving in secret. Don't do it for show with other people. Do it in a way that isn't obvious to others. Same thing about praying. He says, don't be out on the street corners. Don't be gathering and hosting, you know, an event where people can come and say, wow, the way he prays, that's the way to pray. No, instead, go into your room, close your door, pray to your father who sees what's in secret. And your father is the one who's going to go up. I've jumped ahead. Sorry, I'll stay in third column, right? And when you fast, don't fast in a way that draws all this attention to yourself. Fast in a way that nobody else is really going to know that you're doing it. And then you'll what? Oh, then the fourth column. He says the same thing about each category. That's part of how you can tell these are examples that Jesus is using of the general principle he's trying to bring. So what will happen if we do it Jesus's way instead of the hypocrite's way? Who's going to notice? And what's he going to do? Okay, well, that's fine for giving to the needy. But what about praying? What if we pray Jesus's way instead of hypocrite way? Who's going to notice? You know that whole, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, did it make a sound? Listen, I want you to know, if you go into your room and you close the door and there's no one to hear you pray, the most important person is listening. And he hears. And he hears. And when you're fasting, when you make choices that you say, I could have this, but I'm not going to because I want to show that, God, you're worth more than this. You know what? When nobody else notices, there's someone who sees. How's it described or how our father sees? Who sees what's in secret will reward you. You know, 
what Brooke was saying about it being okay for us to focus in sometimes on the promise of reward for the Lord is very much what Jesus is teaching right here. He's saying when we seek our reward, not from other people, but from the Lord himself, the Lord's honored, he's blessed. He's saying, you are setting me apart as the one whose attention you want, the one who is worthy, and he does delight to bless and to reward. And so here's a bottom line, brothers and sisters. A really important key to seeking God is to seek God, not other people's recognition, approval, or applause. Does that sound really basic? I hope so. But it's it's this tuning note for our lives. It says, if we're going to seek God, God's the one we need to seek. Right? And if we want to get our reward from other people, Jesus says, okay, that's all you're going to get. But a reward from heaven comes most often when no one else is noticing. And those times when you feel like nobody else even knows what I'm doing. If we're doing it for the Lord, unto the Lord, the Lord knows. And he brings a reward and a blessing. So I just want to keep it simple and highlight these three specific things that Jesus says here. These, these are specific examples of a larger pattern of really how down to earth our spiritual life is supposed to be. That it's not a grandiose attention-seeking kind of spirituality. It's a very much a humble before the Lord way of living our lives. Fundamental number one is just this. Be generous to people who can't give you anything back. That's fundamental to when you give to the needy. Needy defined by people who don't have something to give back. And that can come in a variety of categories. Jesus here is specifically talking about finances and our money. And he says, give and give without expecting to be able to get something back. Give to folks that you don't expect to be able to repay you. You know, I remember somebody saying you ought to give a couple at their wedding a gift that's about as much as it's going to, at least as much as it's going to cost them to feed you dinner. And that commodifies generosity in a way that the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with. Because when we're, when we're ranking and we're measuring our generosity compared to what we're receiving from somebody else or what we might receive or what we should do or what somebody else is giving us, we've shifted our economy. Heaven's economy is that of blessing. And it means that if we're going to live in that kingdom, our generosity comes without reference to whether we're receiving back from the people that we're giving to. Instead, our orientation is everything I need to receive, I'll receive from my heavenly father. So be generous to those who have nothing to give back. And Jesus is highlighting from whom am I seeking my reward? If I'm seeking my reward from other people, Jesus, great, you got it all. But if we'll seek our reward from the Lord, we'll receive something that men and women can't ever give us. Genuine reward, brothers and sisters, it comes from heaven. If you feel like, sometimes, man, I'm just giving, and I'm serving, I'm doing all these things, I feel like giving them back. You're doing what Jesus describes as storing up treasure. You're not sacrificing, you're investing. Because heaven has an unshakable reward. Where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal, 
where you have a father who never forgets. And when we're generous towards others that can't repay us, Jesus is saying we gain the most lasting reward because our father in heaven will reward us. So first fundamental is be generous to people who can't give anything back. It's a principle of the kingdom of heaven that we live our lives without worrying about self-protection, but in lavish generosity to the people in the world around us. Secondly, praying. How do we pray? Pray like God's worth all your attention. You know, there's nothing wrong with multitasking prayer. When, when Paul instructs us to pray without ceasing, when we learned, you know, in all things to be praying, well, there's going to have to be some multitasking going on while we're praying, if we're going to pray at all times. But there's an important principle in our prayer that Jesus teaches here in Matthew 6, where he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, turn your phone off, and pray to your father. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Pray like God's actually worth your time. Uh, my, my wife got a phone call uh, the other day. Uh, someone with medical questions wanted her advice, had some things that they, she wanted to bounce off of my wife. And so she called. She explained that she had some medical questions she wanted to talk about. And right after introducing that subject on the phone conversation, the person who called my wife then proceeded to start making dinner, started talking to her teenage daughter while she was on the phone with my wife. It didn't really feel like my wife was being valued by the person who called because the the, per, the caller was trying to get a bit of something but not really being willing to give all of their attention to the conversation. Pray like God's actually worth your attention. Stop doing other things and make time to speak to and listen to your heavenly father. That's what Jesus is saying here. Does that make sense? Okay. And turning off the phone may be an important piece of that. Um, fundamental number three is, yeah, deny yourself without drawing attention to it. When Jesus, Jesus says, you know, there's people who when they fast, they want everybody to notice that they're doing it. They disfigure their faces. He means they make sure that they put on this, oh, it's so hard. Look, even before they're hungry. Uh, right? And Jesus is saying, look, go about your day like normal, even when you're making choices to not have things that are blessings that you ordinarily could have. And don't make a big deal out of that. And this principle of the kingdom matters for us, that we're living before the Lord, not for other people to see us. So brothers and sisters, live in a house that costs less than you otherwise might be able to afford to remind yourself to build as a principle in your life that your greater and lasting home is in heaven, not on earth. That this tent that we live in, it's just for a short time. But our real house, it's a building from God. It's an eternal house in heaven, not made by human hands. Drive a car that's less luxurious than the one that you could get. And and don't make a big deal out of it. But recognize that at each point that you might be wishing that you had something that you could have had, 
It's your opportunity to say, but God, I love you more. Lord, I want to stay conscious of you in the choices of my life. Make choices that are Godward as you do. Does that make sense? You don't have to announce all the ways that you're making choices to put God ahead of other things that you could be doing. But your father sees what's done in secret. and He notices. And it's the healthy way to orient ourselves to seek the Lord. Does that make sense? Great. So that includes choosing opportunities to serve others instead of indulging ourselves. Time is one of the most precious commodities that we have. And time for ourselves can feel like that most precious thing that we don't want to give up. But when we deny ourselves a certain amount of me time in order to help others, you don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to advertise what you gave up doing in order to serve someone else. But your father who sees what's done in secret will see it as you seeking him by serving someone else. And so I just want to close with a couple of things that under underline the perspective that Jesus is coming from about the nature of our relationship with God. Because as he talks about your father who sees in secret will reward you. These three times that he says that, he's telling us something about our relationship with God. And, and there's two important pieces. The first of these you can see is that he's our father. Our relationship with God, when we trust and follow Jesus Christ, is not simply servant to master. God is not an all-powerful being way out there somewhere that, that we are slaves to or that we're somehow trying to impress by the things that we're doing. He's our Father. He loves us. We come to him with boldness and confidence of being accepted. Just as we were singing this morning, we are his children. And so the relationship that we have with him is he's our father. We're not having to earn our way into being his children through doing these acts of righteousness, through giving, through praying, through self-denial. Instead, we're relating to our father who's good and who loves us. And, and secondly, Jesus says he'll reward us. And the nature of our relationship with our heavenly father is this. Our good deeds are not paying off a debt that we have towards him, nor are we trying to earn his approval by doing good things. God is not applying your good deeds, my good deeds, against a ledger account to counteract bad things that we've done. In fact, Jesus has paid the price fully for all of our sin when he gave his life in our place on the cross. That's why it's such good news that we sing about that Jesus not only died, but he rose again because the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows that God the Father fully accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf and on my behalf. So our relationship with our heavenly Father is not one where we're trying to earn his approval. No, the good news is that Jesus has already paid our debt in full, and that Jesus has already credited us his righteousness so that we're fully acceptable to our Father in heaven. No, Jesus says it's a relationship of reward where our Father in heaven loves to bless. He loves to give. He loves to be the one for whom we're living. As we live like Jesus, as we live for the Lord, he also delights to bless 
and to give us heavenly reward. Brothers and sisters, that's good news. And so as we begin this year, as we see the way Jesus pictures this, please don't only hear the specific examples. Understand and extend the principle. Don't be trying to do God's stuff to get applause and recognition from other people. Instead, do it in a way that's not attention-seeking, that isn't trying to draw other people's attention, but be conscious and aware that your father sees and he's not judging and uh, giving you demerits along the line. Jesus has paid our debt, but he loves to bless and he loves to reward us.